the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello America, this is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host Jonathan Dunn. I hope you're having a wonderful and blessed weekend. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the accent but you stay for the principles. We have a jam-packed show for you today. I want to discuss certain topics with you. I want to I want to continue our constitutional series, even though we're starting off with a Declaration of Independence. I want to talk to you about a phrase your founders put in there. Also, this week, um, Cato, if you follow Cato, released its World Freedom Index. And Ireland finished fourth. So Ireland is the fourth most freest country in the world. America was 17th. I have some thoughts on this, and I also want to go through some of the, the indexes that we that they discussed. And then lastly, I want to share two stories with you. I want to share two stories with you of two events, sorry, one event and one conversation that I had recently, and the reaction to both of those. Because one of the things I'm trying to do is, I talk to you about intellectually being consistent and talking about principles all the time. I want to share these stories with you and see where you would stand on them and see the arguments that I made and that what you would make. And I want to lay them out for you as clear as possible. The, the details of each story is, is irrelevant. It's just the actual underlying principle. Because sometimes, if you believe in freedom, you're going to argue for things that you don't like. And I think that's something a lot of people have forgotten today or they're, they're very uncomfortable with doing. But I want to lay the stage for today's show, and I want to start off by talking about the Declaration of Independence. And today I want to focus in on the fr- a phrase from the preamble. Last week we discussed the, the forgotten word, the word that is no longer from the Declaration of Independence property. A couple of weeks ago we discussed all men being created equal. If you have missed those, I'd encourage you to check them out. They're on the short segments. But today I want to talk to you about a phrase from the first paragraph. If you've read the first paragraph, you know I'll read all the first paragraph and then I'll tell you the phrase I want to focus in on. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. What I want to focus in on is the law of nature and and that of nature's God's that entitled them. I want to talk to you about to talk about that actual wording, how great it was. What we see today is how it's the exact opposite. But also, there's an attack if you ever see, if you ever listen to some of our friends in the mainstream media about, you know, well, you know, the founding fathers. You know, there were only deists, non atheists. We're going to count. We're going to talk a bit, a bit about that. But also, you hear this line which has become very popular in the world today: "We need a separation of church and state." 
I want to talk to you about this phrase, because the wording, I honestly believe this, and I've said this to you many times. If you want to research your history or you want to take a look into your founder's souls, you just read the writing. Because everything, it's almost like everything had a meaning. There was no just, let's just use this word. It was every word had a meaning. Every word had a had a place. And everything was taught about and considered before it wasn't just, let's just write whatever words has come and what comes, comes. No, there was deep meaning in each of them. So I want to talk to you about the laws of nature. Because I would ask you today, where is that type of conversation happening around the world? Does it happen in your Congress today? Does it happen in America? Does it happen in Europe? Does it happen in Asia? Just think around the world where we focus in on the laws of nature. And what nature's God entitles you to. We have a situation and a culture now in America and around the world where everyone loves to talk about what they are entitled to. I'm entitled to have a gun. I'm entitled to free contraception. I'm entitled to someone else's money. I'm entitled, I'm entitled, I'm entitled. What I find ironic is so few today actually know or understand or have even thought about the laws of nature's God and what you actually are entitled to. Because a large chunk of things you think you're entitled to, you're not. And the things you are entitled to, you just ignore or just cast aside. Or maybe that's just me being white privilege. Look around the world today, and I don't want to focus in on any one country, whatever country, if you feel more comfortable thinking about America, because America's in this, or focus in on a country you think that you know pretty well. What do we focus everything in on? Do we focus in on the law of nature, or are we firmly entrenched in the law of man? What man says man does how many decisions do you think your leaders or those people around you actually make based on principle not on outcomes not on results not because it works but because it is the right principled thing to do is there any the reason I think this is such an important question is because when you have the law of man and it doesn't matter, this is not a, in case you're thinking this is, oh, he's going to go off on Trump again. I'm not, I'm not going to even mention the guy's name. I mentioned his name once in a few minutes, but it's part of a bigger thing. But this isn't about Donald Trump, this is about just general world freedom. And the reason I'm talking about world freedom today is because of the Cato Institute, the report I'm going to talk to you about in the next segment. The problem we have around the world is we make men kings. We are seeing kings, even though they don't have the title of king, we are making man king. Just think of some of the arguments that you see, you know, the great arguments of the day. When was the last time you heard about principles in a lot of those arguments? Look, think of immigration reform. Is there a political will to do it? You hear that phrase a lot. Is there a political will to do immigration reform? Hmm. Is it popular with the people, with the folks? You hear this phrase as well. You know, when you, if, you, if you're in a part, government party, you use poll after poll. You search and kind of go, what sounds well? What poll tests well with people? What do people really want? And then you change your strategy accordingly. 
Is there ever a conversation about, is it the right thing to do? And basing it on some eternal principle. Is there a higher power at play? Or is it just, look, if we have a president, or we have a Taoiseach like we do in Ireland, or you have a prime minister like they do in the UK, or if they have a king like they have in Jordan, or if they have an Ayatollah like they have in Iran... Are they just the supreme being? Are they just, even if they're elected or they're coerced or they're they're chosen for the people? Are they just a higher power? Is that just what it is? It's That's the highest power we have in the land and it's man, man and what man says. And by the way, when man says it, it can change in 30 seconds, 30 minutes, 30 years. It's not eternal. It's just, it's it's our truth. It's the truth of the day. We make everything today about man. Look at economics. I'm hearing people, both from Donald Trump supporters and Donald Trump uh, naysayers, well, this is Trumponomics. Last last president, we had both for and against. We had Obamanomics. We've had Reaganomics. We make everything about men. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there is no such thing as Trumponomics. There is no such thing as Trumponomics. There is no such thing as Obamanomics. There is no such thing as Reaganomics. The laws of economics are as sure and as constant, regardless of who's in offices, as the law of gravity. It does not change. There's not John's law of gravity and and your law of gravity and Glenn Beck's law of gravity and, and Donald Trump's law of gravity. There is the law of gravity. There is the law of economics as well. It does not change. Just because you're Donald Trump or Barack Obama or even Ronald Reagan, you can't change economic law and then kind of go, well, I did it. I'm Ronald Reagan. I did this, so it's going to work. But if Barack Obama did the same thing, it wouldn't work because he doesn't understand Reaganomics. We just make everything about man and nothing about eternal. How many conversations do you take part of? Forget the media, forget the politicians. When you're having conversations with your friends... I've lost my mind, I I admit it on social media, I'm finding it really hard to talk about immigration reform, or even just listen to anyone talk about it. Because there's no principles involved. All I hear is talking points. All I hear about is, well, America needs to be compassionate. They did nothing wrong, they acted out of love. They're dreamers. Not one principle among them been discussed whether it's scriptural, whether do you have a right to someone else's property, whether it's principle-based, does America have a right to control its borders and kick people out whether they're illegal or not? It's all about what we feel. This is the culture we are living in. We are living in a culture of man. Look at the debate we are having. And Ireland is having this debate, and it's not much of a debate, sadly. It'll pass overwhelmingly, unless barring some miracle from above. But Ireland in May will vote on whether people have a right to have abortion or not. All that's left is to decide what week you have it in. Look at the abortion debate that happened in America this week, if you didn't miss it, if you missed it. There was a bill put forward in Congress. And they came up with this point of pain 
Oh, I know I'm not supposed to talk about abortion. Everyone hates this topic. But it was the, the point of pain at 20 weeks. I always love the, the people who are, you know, well, I'm, up for, I'm for abortion. I'm okay with abortion up to a period of time. If you, if you look at the polls on this issue, you know, the, um, the research, there's always a point in time where the vast majority of American people are against it. Even the most ardent abortion supporters kind of go, when a baby hits a certain point in time, it's not right. The bill that was put forward in your Congress this week was at 20 weeks. I always love, I, I, I just don't understand the mindset of people who do this. Just let me explain to you, and I'm not trying to talk to you about abortion, been wrong or not, you know my opinion on this, but this arbitrary point in time, just play along with me for a second. You have a baby in the womb, it's 19 days, sorry, 19 weeks, 6 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes, and let's say 30 seconds. Give me 30 seconds to talk to you about something. That's how old it is. It's totally fine to have an abortion. Totally fine. Absolutely no problem with it. Your right to choose. Then all of a sudden, something happens. It's about 30 seconds since I said it. That baby is now 20 weeks old. <gasps> no, can't have it. Can't have an abortion. That's wrong. What happened in that 30 seconds? What happened in that, that split moment in time, that second, that little, that went from 19 weeks, 6 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes and 59 seconds to 20 weeks. What happened in that little split second where something was right and okay and now it's wrong? Even the discussion that was having, if you watched or you followed any of it, it was pretty hard to watch. Point of pain. So if a baby can feel pain, it shouldn't be aborted. But where's the principle of that? If you can't feel pain, is it okay? If you can't feel pain, do I have a right to kill you? Everything that we have in our society right now is built around man, how we feel, how we, how we think, you know, can we be successful? Is there a political will? Heck, can we win if we do this? Where are the conversations about what is right? What are the laws of nature? Look, I believe the laws of nature are what your founder said, what America's founder said, that you, all men are created equal and that you have certain rights from God, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, original writing, life, liberty, and property. I believe in the Bill of Rights, that you have a right to free speech. I have a believe in the, the Second Amendment where you have a right to protect yourself. I believe in the Fourth Amendment where you have a right to privacy. The Fifth Amendment. I can keep on going, but you get the point. I believe you have these rights. And these are rights from, this is not my white privilege speaking. I haven't said all white people are entitled to this. I've said all people. Look around. You can go big as you want. You can go look around the world today or look around just in your local community. They might use the law of nature, but what do we all agree on? What right can we come together on? What right can we come together on? You have a right to life. No, can't do that. Do you have a right to liberty? Well, that depends on your income. You know, if you're if you're poor, you're noble and you're 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 well intentioned. If you're if you're rich, no, you don't have a right to liberty. We're gonna take you down. Do you have a right to pursue your happiness? 
Do you have a right to your property? Heck, do you have a right to free speech today? Or are you shunned if you don't have the the popular opinion, the, the right opinion? What right can we unite on? Can we even unite on the fact that there are some rights? We might disagree on every right that we think we're entitled to. But can we at least agree on the fact that everyone is born with certain rights? We might disagree with what those rights are. But can we agree on that underlying principle? In the current path we're on, no. Because everyone is focused on what's popular. What's, what can we do? What's the political climate? What's the political will? What can we get past that the media won't go crazy over? Can we have a conversation about what God nature's law has said you're entitled to? Or should we just focus in on, on what man says you're entitled to? You're entitled to someone else's labor. You're entitled to contraception. You're entitled to something. You're entitled to something else and someone else has a pay, to pay for it. This is what we're going to try and do over the coming weeks and what I've been trying to do. To focus in on eternal principles and why I'm discussing these with you. But while we're discussing this issue, I feel compelled to talk to you about some of the attacks you hear on your founders. You know, you've all heard the attacks. Well, your founders were were just a bunch of, of atheists and deists. They weren't Christians. Even though the facts suggest otherwise. The greatness of your founding fathers was they could have put in If you read the Declaration of Independence and you read the Constitution and you've read your Bible and you know it, it's clear. The evidence is overwhelming. The amount of words and verses that are taken directly from Scripture or indirectly, the underlying tone and meaning is there. They could have went and said, we are a Christian nation, which you are built on. You are built on Judeo-Christian values, whether you like it or not. They could have made it, well, you know, God... You, you have a right to, to the laws of God's law. Because they built the, your country on it. They could have went that way, but they were so smart. They went, you know what? That's going to divide people. Because what happens if my God is different to your God? I have people who come to me, and I've heard this. You know, you, you, the God you worship as a Christian is different to the God Jews worship. I'm like, huh. That's interesting. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd. I. I. I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> I've had that. I, it's unbelievable. I, I. I'm speechless at times. I've had people say to me, "Well, God is different to everyone." Okay. Cool. Uh, but but what about Muslims? Uh huh. Okay. Uh, you're welcome here. Because here's the thing. It's not saying what my God. They could have went. You know what? We're a Christian nation. These are my law. These is what my God says I'm entitled to. And if I'm a Christian, I am entitled to these. They did not. They said nature's law, nature's God, and everyone is entitled to them. That is the beauty of those words. Nature's God. It can be God, the God I worship. And if you're a Christian, you worship. And if you're a Jew, well, you worship. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You could be a Muslim and worship Allah. Nature says you are still entitled to these rights. God doesn't give me my First Amendment to free speech. 
and say, well, you know what? You're a Muslim. You can't have it. It says we are all entitled to them. Because it's the law of nature. It's self-evident. It's Of course you have a right to free speech. No one can tell you to shut up. It doesn't matter how unpopular your opinion is. No one has the right to tell you to shut up. What do you mean? Oh, of course you have a right to protect yourself. No one's going to expect you just to stand there and get punched and beaten up and assaulted and, and just go, well, I can't touch you. That's not right. Because I, I happen to live in America and, and I'm a Muslim or I'm an atheist or I'm a deist or I'm a spiritual person. I don't have those rights. Only Christians have those rights. The beauty of your founders was they said, no, 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 no. We're going to reject all that. The world has done that. We're charting a different course. We are charting a course where it's nature's God. Because it's self-evident. Everyone knows it. But we somewhere along the line forgot to teach them and forgot to stand for them. I'd ask you an uncomfortable question to think about. Take a picture of the, what you think if you believe Democrats are your enemy. And stand there and look at your enemy in the eye and kind of go, what rights do, you, do we have that are the same? Does a Democrat have a right to free speech? And let's pick some of the worst of them, the, you know, the most disliked Democrats, usually by people on the right and the, and the Republicans and Conservatives. Think of Elizabeth Warren. Think about Bernie Sanders. Heck, I can't mention, I believe I'm going to mention his name. Think of Hillary Clinton. And this hurts, by the way. Does Hillary Clinton have a right to free speech? Yes. Does she have a right to protect herself? Yes. Does she have a right to privacy, to be secure in her papers and her persons? Yes. If she's, if she's charged with something, does she have a right to a fair trial? Yes. Jury of her peers? Yes. These are rights for everyone. What path are we on? Do we want to be on a path towards which your founder started 240 years ago? Of nature's law and nature's God? Or do we want to continue on the path of man? Where man is king? Where what's popular is king? Which path do you want to live on? The reason I've started with this is because when we come back after this quick break, I want to talk to you about the Cato Institute and their Human Freedom Index and just highlight a couple of things that were in it. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me um, Before we continue I just want to apologise If I sound a bit different today I'm, I'm struggling with a cold And it's just Irish weather is just sucks And I apologise, I sound different, I sound nasally. So Cato this week, or last week, do this report, and if you've never checked it out, I'd, I'd recommend 
you check it out. It's it's very good. It's I don't agree with everything that's in it, but it's 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 good research. It gives you a snapshot of the world. Gives you breaks down each country. There's a lot of work that goes into this. But one of the things I read, and some people ask me on social media, when you know Ireland is ranked fourth as the most freest nation in the world, and a couple of people went, "Why do you want to leave there?" And I, that sounds really good. The reason I started today's show the way I did was to lay the foundation of what I want to talk to you about now. Because this is the sad state of our world today. That a country like Ireland is deemed the fourth freest. This is not a slam on Ireland. Ireland's a nice little country. I've always said, I always recommend anyone and everyone to visit. Just make sure you have a plane ticket out of there. Ireland is a proud, utopian status nation with a progressive values. They even use that word now. It's proud of its progressive tax code. It's proud of its progressive way of life. It's proud of its progressive leanings. How can you have a country that is openly progressive, openly socialist, has no understanding of God-given rights, of freedom for everyone, as the fourth freest nation in the world. The truth of the matter is, is this is the biggest indictment. If you were making a case of, well, freedom, it might not be dead, but it's on life support, this would be Exhibit A. Ireland is the fourth freest nation. Some people ask me this week about, well, how come, why is Ireland so much freer than and America's only 17th? And they com- wanted me to compare and contrast the difference between Ireland and America and how Ireland is more free. So I want to take a minute and just explain this to you. Ireland, in some ways, its politicians are very smart, in some ways. Ireland has been very successful as a country doing two things. One is a policy and the other is a message. And while they never say the message word for word, but what I'm going to repeat to you, if you, if you read some of the literature from the government to overseas people, this is the team of it. Firstly, the policy. The reason Ireland's been very successful is because they have one tax policy out of every tax policy they have as good, as good for business. And that's corporation tax at 12.5%. Everyone in America is going, absolutely great, Tom Trump, he's a, he's a genius, it's a tax plan. I've, heard, I've had friends talking, this is the most you know, amazing tax plan I've ever seen. Donald Trump went from, all he did in the tax plan was go from 35 to 21. Ireland's still at 12 and a half. Just put that into context. They have one tax policy that is really, really good. Everything else stinks because they have a proud, progressive tax code. I explained this to you before last year, but in case you don't remember, just to show you how proudly progressive and what will come to America one day is every cent an Irish worker earns over 32,000 euros, which obviously the exchange rate is very different at the minute, but that's about thirty-five, thirty-six thousand dollars $36,000. Every cent over that is taxed at 
5%. That is a progressive tax code. So while the corporation tax is wonderful and it is a great incentive and it brings a lot of business this way, which I welcome, the rest of the tax code absolutely stinks. And by the way, when I say that is the 40%, that's one tax. That's the income tax. We also have a a PRSI tax, which is pay-related social insurance, and we have a USC tax, which is universal social care. It's They design all these taxes to, well, this is going to go to the healthcare, and this is to pay for your dental, and this is to pay for this. It doesn't. It just goes all to one big pot. It's to take as much money from you as possible to fund the government. Every cent over $36,000, give or take, is taxed at 40%. Does that sound like, wow, that's an economic bastion of freedom? But it's got its corporation tax rate at 12.5%. The second advantage they have, and ever who came up with this team, I don't know whether they came up with it and went, this is our team for Ireland, or it just happened. Maybe I've been too generous with my praise. Maybe they just looked into this. But if you ever read some of the literature from the Irish government to, to people, this is their message. Hey, Europe's pretty big. Europe's a key region. You need to present a presence in Europe. But you don't really want to be in mainland Europe, do you? Come to Ireland and set up your European head office in Ireland. We're not over in mainland Europe. We're totally separate from them. But you are still Europeans. And it's worked pretty well. Google have their European head office here. Facebook have their European head office over here. Google, Apple have their European headquarters over here. They're in Europe, but they're different. And we also offer, there's a whole ocean and a sea around us, totally independent. But Ireland is not a free nation. I want to go through to some of the, the criteria that Cato came up with. When you look, just to explain this to me, a country with a progressive tax code, with socialist leanings, with major welfare programs, and Cato's economic freedom was fifth out of 159th. This is not a slam on Ireland. This is a slam on how bad freedom is. And if we don't wake up and start talking about freedom and sharing the message of freedom, we're just going to accept, well, Ireland is considered a free nation. What makes Ireland free? Some of the things are incredible. The criteria. And it's not that Ireland is free. It's just, it's not a, it's not a relevant thing. Like, one of the things they have is, is terrorism. Well, Ireland has a, quote-unquote, somewhat of a strategic advantage in the fact that we have water all around our country. We're also so small and insignificant that, you know, we're not exactly a prime target for ISIS. Or there's not someone in the middle, well, maybe there is, you never know. There's not some Hamas agent sitting in the Middle East or, or Boko Haram or Al-Shabaab sitting there going, you know what, we need to bomb Ireland. We need to show those Irish boys what, you know, what they're missing out on. They need to get their comeuppance. So they get that type of benefit from it. The free movement, they get that from being part of Europe. That's one of Europeans' biggest thing. But let me give, go through some of the criteria. Because the first one is rule of law, and it scored an 8.1 out of 10. Our rule of law stinks. Our justice system is horrific. I shared on this one, I, I interviewed Tim Ballard a couple of years ago, or a couple of months ago. 
There's a guy from our neighbourhood who had child porn and loads of things on his phone and was checking it several hundred thousand times a day. It felt like got out on probation. You see people who rape people get five, six, seven, eight years, probably get out on four or five of good behaviour. You see assault slightly less than that. There's no justice in our country. Sure, they get a slap on the wrist and they might go to jail for a few years, but everyone knows when they good behaviour, they'll be out in less than half the time, probably. Unless you're really bad. We have a system where if you kill someone, sure, you might get 25 years, but you'll be out quicker. What just the system is that? We have a system over here where, and this is not the police's fault, it's the, the system and the culture we live in. That if you're robbed chances are you'll never find your possessions and the person will never be caught and if they are caught they'll be caught because of sloppiness and it'll be part of a bigger frame and again they'll probably be let out and re-offend our justice system isn't anything special but yeah it scores an 8 out of 10 sounds wonderful wow 8 out of 10 that's a good score that's a high grade what else did I want to talk to you about they talk about the freedom of the press and, and the political pressure and how much of their media is controlled. They got an 8.5 out of 10. That sounds wonderful, right? Well, when you consider the top broadcaster and the top, probably the top media in Ireland is RTE, which stands for Radio and Television Ireland. It's state-run. It's state-run media. And it's glorified propaganda served up in a way that makes it seem like they're real journalists. We have state-run media, and yet we are talked about, wow, we have 8.5 out of 10. That's another great score. Another one was, you have a right to divorce. I know, I know, I know. This is not me being a Christian going, you can't divorce. That's, that's, that's un- un- unbiblical, and it goes against God's wishes. I'm not talking about that. We have a situation where we accept governments and role in divorce and marriage. Not to get off on a side point, but why do we still... This is Cato. This is the Human Freedom Index. And we're talking about, do you have a right to divorce? What the hell does the government have to do with your divorce or not? What does it have to do with your marriage? We're talking about human freedoms. Onto the economic side, which I find amazing. You're talking about the Human Freedex Index, and Ireland scored really well in credit market regulations, labour market re- regulations, and business regulations. Does anyone see the, the, the bit of irony in this where the Human Freedex Index rewards regulation? Just let me say that to you again in case you thought, in case you thought I misspoke or I said something wrong or I didn't do my research. The Human Freedom Index gives you a score for credit market regulations, labor market regulations, and business regulations. Is it just me or is that kind of ironic? We're talking about freedom, but, you know, we need to regulate people out and tell them how to work. We need to regulate employment law. We need to regulate contracts. We need to regulate how business does business. We need to regulate who gets money and how they decide and all the criteria around it. We need a regulation czar. Really? Again, they score really well. 
because we don't have a system of freedom where people can are free to purchase the products that we want to purchase. It has to be approved by a government official. It has to be approved by some bureaucrat. And it has to be popular. We are talking about a sound system of money. These are some of the, the criteria. Anyone who knows anything about the euro know it's in real trouble. Ireland, you cannot talk about the Irish economy when, without including Europe because we're very much integrated in it. Ireland is lucky because it's, it's come back from bankruptcy. But everything is linked to Europe. Europe tells us how to, how to, to work. It tells us how many fish we can catch. It tells us how to farm. It tells us how many cows we're allowed to own. It tells us everything. That's not freedom. That's a glorified dictatorship. It's a soft tyranny and we all celebrate it. I want to talk to you today about freedom. Because here's the thing. My fear has been for a while. It's not really a fear. It's just a concern. It's not like a big boogeyman's going to come and get me. But what we are seeing around the world by the vast majority of people is some type of acceptance that socialism is okay. That just some type of interference is okay. But there's a line. There's this imaginary line. It's like that abortion debate we just spoke about. That 20-week line. Something happens. It's right, it's right, it's right. Then boom, it's wrong. When we talk about regulation, when we talk about control, because that's what we're talking about, one person or one set of people controlling another's, another set, telling them how to work, telling them how, what they must pay someone, pay, telling them how their employment terms should be, telling them what they can produce, when they can produce, how they can produce. We are accepting someone else telling us what we can and can't do. If we are to truly achieve our potential, not as not, I'm not saying this as an Americans or as Irish people, I'm talking, if we are truly to reach our potential as humans, surely we must start having a debate about the right to freedom, the right that we are entitled to by nature's law and nature's God. That we are free individuals. Because if we continue on this path, What's the future going to be all? What is our, what's the world freedom index going to be like in 10 years? What's it really going to be like? Are we going to be freer? Or are we just going to be, well, you know, there's this government, this country, and let's not name names, but there's this country and they have a progressive tax code and they have heavy business regulations and regulations up the wazoo. A person can't do anything without being approved by the government. And they're, t- they're the most, one of the most freest nations in the world. Are we going to have that? All the time, what makes this more hard for me to accept is there are members right now in your media and world media who will go, Hitler, oh, bad guy, bad, 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 bad guy, bad guy. Uh Uh-huh. Hitler was a nationalist, socialist. He was a tyrant. He was a bad guy. But what we have is, well, I'm okay with tyranny. 
Once you're not a hard tyrant, you know, once you don't start, like, killing people or, or, you know, thinking a certain race is better than everyone else, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with someone coming into your business saying, okay, this is the products you can offer at these terms. This is how many, this is the way you can employ people. They have to have these benefits. I know the employee can negotiate with you, but these are the standards. We're telling you these are the standards. The proof... I would give in case someone's listening to this and kind of going, what is he talking about? We're all free. We not be, may not be as free as we used to be, but we still have some freedoms. Let me ask you a question. What one thing can you do right now that the government has had no part in? Let's just go through some of the options, shall we? Well, John, I, I, I could get up and leave my house and jump in my car. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get off your government-regulated seat, go down the stairs, through your government-regulated door, into your government-regulated car that's told how much it can, can consume, and then drive. Well, I can go to the shops and I can buy anything I want. Yeah, you can. You have a choice to buy anything you want that the government said you're allowed to buy. Well, what, what, I, what do you mean the government said I, I could buy? I can buy it now. What? If I want to buy a Mars bar, I'll buy a Mars bar. If I want to go buy a loaf of bread, I'll buy a loaf of bread. Uh-huh. What happens if I have a loaf of bread or I bake bread, but I don't follow the regulations that the government says I must follow? Do you think my bread will be in that shop? Well, John, I, I, can, go on, I can go on the internet. Uh-huh. I can buy anything I want. Eh, not necessarily true. If you want to buy some a product from, I don't know, someone in Venezuela, someone in Cuba, can you? If you want to buy a product from the small business owner in Iran, can you? There has to be some type of trade agreement in place between your country and that country. You're relying on politicians kind of going, hey, we're friendly, we're allies, let's have a trade agreement where... People from my country can buy into from your people and vice versa. But without that trade agreement, you can't do that. Well, I can decide what job I want to do. Sure, you have a certain amount of freedom. But again, if, if I decided tomorrow I'm going to set up a business and I'm not going to follow employee law, I'm not going to follow regulations, I'm going to do business the way I see fit. I'm going to do business the moral way. And by the way, when I say this, everyone always thinks, well, what are you going to do? What, are you going to do something immoral? No, I'm going to do things the right way, the way I think, I think they should be done. I'm going to look after staff the way I think staff should be looked after. Do you think I'd be in business long? Do you think you'd be allowed to work for me for very long? Think about, well, John, I could go out and, I could go out and make some investments and make a load of money. Uh-huh. And who's right there conveniently waiting when and if you make that load of money? You call him Uncle Sam. We just call him the Department of Revenue over here. We haven't come up with a fancy moniker yet. Uncle Sam is waiting there with his hand out going, ha, 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 you don't have a right to keep all that labor, boy. Come on, pay up. You owe me 40% of what you earned, 30% of what you earned, 20% of what you earned. Name the one thing you can do right now that the government has had no say in. Well, I, I don't know, John. I'm, I'm going to stop listening to you for a minute. I'm going to go boil, boil myself the kettle and have a cup of tea. Uh-huh. Government regulated and approved the kettle. 
They approved the water. They approved the tea bike. They approved the milk. They approved the sugar. You're starting to see a drift. We're all in a maze right now. We're all under control. Government, at some point in every action you have in your life, said it's okay for you to do that. These are the safe options. If I brought you into a shop, I'll finish up with this analogy. And I brought you up into a shop and I said, I'm going to buy you a bar of chocolate. You can have, you are free to choose any bar of chocolate you want. As long as it's a Mars, a Snickers or a Twix. Is that freedom? Well, I gave you the freedom to choose between a Mars, a Snickers or a Twix. And you don't know any of the other options. There, there could be M&M's out there. There could be peanut M&M's, which are really good, by the way. Peanut M&M's. But you've never heard of them because I've only given you the choice of freedom between Mars, a Snickers or a Twix. There could be a, a Reese's Pieces. But you'll never know about it because my government has said you can have a Mars, a Snickers or a Twix. Is that real freedom? If you think that's freedom and you should celebrate it, go ahead and celebrate it. But I won't join you. I will celebrate when humans have the freedom to control more of their destiny, more of their lives, and can walk into that candy store and look at all the options. We can have the Mars, the Snickers, the Twix, the Reese's Pieces, the Peanut M&M's, the Crunch Bar, the Maltesers, um, and all the different brands that come underneath it. So you can have Reese's Cupcakes, you can have Reese's Pieces, you can have Reese's Chocolate, you can have a Hershey Bar, you can have Cookies and Cream, you can have Dark Chocolate. That is human freedom, with no one saying you can buy which one you can buy. Just something to think about. By the way, if you want to prove me wrong, tell me, send me a message on Twitter or Facebook, at Freedom Disciple, what you can do without the government playing any role in it at any time. When we come back, I want to share a couple of stories with you and get your opinion on them. Don't go anywhere, America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I want to share a story with you. And this actually is a conversation I had with someone in my local gym. And I'm sharing this story for two reasons. One, to highlight the importance of being consistent. How important it is that on every issue you talk about to your friends, to your family, just to anyone in the street, how important it is to you that you're consistent. But secondly, to highlight an opportunity. Before I get to those, I want to share the groundwork with you. And these are just brief details. Don't get caught up in the details. It's about the actual underlying principles. So over here, one of the most popular sports is soccer. And... One of the most popular teams is Manchester United. They're a football club in England. And they're kind of like, in some ways, the New York Yankees of football. You either love them and support and support them, or you pretty much hate them. They kind of have that appeal. 
They're one of the biggest, the most richest. They have a lot of, you know, spending power. They're a global brand. You might have heard of them. Well, in football, there are certain times you can buy and trade for players. And January is one of those months. You can, you know, it's the middle of the season. People buy in transfers and, you know, swap players and stuff. And Manchester United bought a new player. It's slightly different in soccer over here, just in case you're not familiar, whereas in baseball and hockey, you know, you'll send a player and you'll get some players back and, and vice versa. Over here, it tends to be more about money. So we buy players. We, you give us a player, we'll give you a chunk of money. And some of the fees are incredible. Like a footballer went last during the summer for like $192 million. Like it's incredible. That's the most expensive ever. Well, this player went for free. It didn't cost Manchester United anything. Because his contract was up in the summer. So they did a player swap. Didn't cost them any cash. And when they played, the new player came to Manchester United, he reorganized his contract. And signed a new contract because the contract doesn't go with them. And he signed a, I think it was a four and a half year deal. Worth, I think his base salary just for playing is about £350,000, which is give or take half a million US dollars a week. So over the course of the year, that's $26 million. Think of that. That is pretty much on par with the top earners in US sports. But he signed other contracts, you know, image rights. His whole deal is going to be worth like £600,000 a week, which is give or take $850,000. It's a large contract. Don't get caught up in the details. I'm just sharing the background of this story. So I'm in the gym and I'm training with people. And everyone pretty much I know in Ireland would claim on some level, shape or form to be some level of socialist. They might be a really ardent socialist and, you know, we got to work for these rights. Or they might just be, look, you know, I believe in, you know, redistribution of wealth and, you know, give more to the middle class and tax the rich. And, you know, they're different levels. I was talking to this person we're having the conversation because he's not a Man United sport he does not like Man United and he's like what do you think of this deal and are you happy about it I was like I'm not too not sure I'm not, he's got a bit of an attitude problem and I'm not 100% sure of if I like him or not he's like oh, crazy amount of money you guys gave him wasn't it and I went well that's the sport you know he's like yeah it's just sinful it's just sinful the amount of money these players are getting. That's just wrong. And I just sat there and I kind of went, really? The first thing I always find funny is when someone says someone else earns money. And I said this to him. I said, I said, look, I don't really comment on that. And he went, why? And I went, I said, because here's the truth. I can't criticize someone when I know the chances are I wouldn't refuse it. If Manchester United found me, I'm not the player they target. I'm, uh, just if you've seen pictures of me, it's obvious I can't play soccer. But if if Manchester United came to me and said, "You know what? We like you. We're going to give you a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, heck, ten thousand dollars a week to do X," I'm not going to say no. Let's make it more realistic. You know, if if Glenn Beck. Or Fox News, or, well, not Fox News. If Ben Shapiro came to me and said, I want to give you your own radio show, you're going to go daily, and I'm going to give you, I'm trying to think of a high salary in radio terms, I'm going to give you $1,000 per show. 
I'm not going to be going to go, I'm not worth $1,000 per show. I'm going to go, are you sure? Yeah, I really think, I, I want to give it to you. Okay. Name the person who kind of went, no, nah, that's too much money. No, nah, I'm not worth that. Now, knowing me, I probably would because I'm an idiot, but that's beside the point. So first point, why would you criticize something you know yourself would do? Because I even asked them, I said, if, if your team came to you and said, hey, here's a contract, would you say no? And you went, no, why would I do that? And I went, so you're criticizing someone for taking a deal which you yourself would have taken. Ah, it's just too much money. It's, it shouldn't be even offered. But then we finished off our conversation. I got thinking about it and I was working out in the gym and I had my earphones on and I just went, this is unbelievable. Because let's just take a step back and talk about ideology for a second, right? A lot of these people will consider themselves socialist. I'm a socialist. Again, different varies. What is socialism? Socialism in some way, shape or form is a watered down version of Karl Marx's communist manifesto where you have certain teams running through it. You have government control. Okay, check. Government controls industry. Check. But what is the underlying theme of it? Workers of the world unite. If you read the Communist Manifesto, you clearly see, you know, one of the people Marx does not like is who? Is the bourgeoisie, the capitalist, the the landowner, the money controller. What I find amazing in this system of, you have a system where you claim to be some level of socialist, you don't like the capitalists, you don't like the business owner, but you want the workers of the world to unite and a better system of justice. What better system of justice is a millionaire and a billionaire, which the Glazier family own, in case you don't know, just a piece of information. The people who own Manchester United are the same people who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Glazier family. You're not happy because you're a socialist. You're not happy. You believe in an ideology that says the workers. The workers. And the capitalist and the business owner are the bad guys. Yet the Manchester United business owners just gave a contract to the worker for $350,000 a week, or £350,000 a week. Surely that should be celebrated. That if, if in its very essence, is redistribution of wealth. True capitalist means, but it's redistribution of wealth. Because the business owner has said, I'm going to give you £350,000 a week to kick a football. You're the worker. I'm the business owner. You should be happy about it. So many people are inconsistent on their views. They're inconsistent for a couple of reasons. And this is where I want to talk to you about opportunity. I think there are people inconsistent on their views because they just get caught up in the moment and all their opinions are formed on on what's popular or what my opinion is. Now, honestly, I think the guy I know, he seems like he's a good guy and I've trained with him a few times. I think what he was more outraged wasn't the, 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 the ideology of a socialist. He just thought it was too much money for anyone. But in the ideology sense, I don't think we push people anymore. We don't question with anyone. Because everyone wants a safe space. No one wants to be questioned. No one wants to be kind of pushed up against the wall and kind of went, hey, why do you think that? 
How, why surely if you claim to be a socialist, this is something you should be for, right? Because it's not the greedy capitalist getting richer, it's the worker, the footballer. You should be happy for this. The other reason, I think, is because people haven't taught long enough about everything they stand for. But also, we are also living in a culture where we don't push people against the wall in a in a you know a principled hey why do you believe these type of things you know make it re- you know keep you awake all night to really think about these things we insult you we just look and go oh, you're a socialist you're an idiot you're a moron you know we get a fancy hashtag we respond to you in 140 characters or less we don't have discussions anymore we have insults we have slagging matches there's no learning opportunities But here's where I want to focus in on for a minute. The opportunity that provides itself. If we have a conversation just about labels, we won't get anywhere. I honestly believe if we can strip the labels away and we can strip all the parties away and forget this, well, I'm a Republican and I have that magic or beside my name and you're a D, you're a Democrat and we're opposed to each other. If we can actually have conversations... We might make some inroads. And I, when I say conversations, I don't mean conversations to get you to, to be a Republican or to vote Republican. I just mean a conversation where you can have a, a chat and say, well, surely if you claim to be socialist, this is what you want. Because by the way, here's the thing. You would call me a greedy capitalist? And one of those people who's only for the millionaire and billionaires? You'd be wrong, but that's what you'd call me. I celebrate this. Why do I celebrate it? Because no government got involved and said, you have to pay him a certain amount of money. No government got involved and said, this is the contract he has to sign. That he's worth a certain amount, and this is what you must do. That's where we differ. But I celebrate the fact that someone can go out there and get £350,000 a week to kick a football. Do I think it's justified? Hell no. I don't know anyone who kicks a football, throws a football, throws a baseball that's worth $26 million a year, effectively. I don't know anyone. I'm a big A-Rod fan, as if you're a long-term listener and friend of mine, you know. He wasn't worth the money he signed for. Some of these base, ba- uh, baseball players are not worth the money they're paid when you put into context society. But that's the great thing about free market economics. If you believe in freedom... You're free to negotiate whatever contract. If you have a service, if you have a product or a service that people are willing to pay you a huge sum of money for, it doesn't really matter what I think. I could sit there all day. I could, I could go through professions. I could go through, forget sports stars, I could go through professions and kind of go, you earn, let me give you a prime example. You paid Hillary Clinton $500,000 for a speech to, for 12 minutes. Are you crazy? Why would you want to listen? And and forget the politics and forget what, you know, some of the room, you know, some of the thoughts of she was only been paid for access and that was just a way of get. I know all that. But why would you pay any politician to speak? Especially an absorbent amount like that. Chances are it's just a rehearsed speech they give all the time, a stump speech, especially a politician who's just ran for president or is running for president. You can watch it for free on CNN anytime you want. You can go onto YouTube and watch it anytime you want. And you're paying her $500,000 for a speech? Wow. But here's the thing. doesn't matter what I think of that. 
I might think you're crazy for paying that amount of money. Everyone listening, you all might think those were crazy people who paid that much money. No way Hillary Clinton's worth that. Doesn't matter. Free market says if someone thinks you have a service and you're they're willing to pay you any amount they want to, doesn't matter what you or I think. And it sure as hell doesn't matter whether it's justified. So we can find common ground if we talk principles. We can find common ground, even with socialists, because they're, and I say this, I would say this to a socialist who, to, about capitalists, I don't think people are truly think, have taught out every position on trade, on free markets, on taxes. We just go what's popular. We follow the bouncing ball, and there's so many people do this on both sides. The bouncing ball by politicians and by media, and we respond to that. We respond whether we like it or dislike it. Where are the ideas coming from that are totally outside the box? Where are those ideas? The ideas that don't originate in DC or in some think tank or in some political headquarters or in some media. How about we actually have ideas based around freedom and we start controlling where the ball bounces? We have major opportunities if we want to. The choice is that the chance, the question is, it's not whether we have opportunities or not. The question is, are we willing to put our divisive and our division and our labels aside for a minute and have a conversation? Or would we rather keep on the easy path and just continue insults, continue division, and continue judging people by the label and not by what they actually believe? When we come back, I want to share one last story with you for today. today. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. An Adamus-gendered person is a person who refuses to be categorized. Don't, Thank you. Don't you dare categorize me as any gender. I'm Adamus gender. <laughs> Wait, but you're asking <laughs> to be categorized. Then as... there's aerogender, which is a gender influenced by your surroundings. So if I'm eating a Mounds bar, perhaps I feel like a nut. Uh, no, it's Almond Joy. Pat Gray. Weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for sticking with me, America. I hope today's show has given you something to, to think about, something to ponder on. That's always my number one aim with this show is just to get you to think about something. Maybe get you to see things maybe slightly different and get you to question where you stand. I can't reiterate this enough. My aim is not to get you to think the way I think. There's only one me. And I don't, the world does not need a second one thinking like me. What we need is you to find where you stand. If that's in agreement with me some of the time, all of the time, that's cool. Once it's your position. Well, I want to finish today's show by talking to you about a recent bill that happened in Ireland and the response to it. And again, I just, I share the details with you, but I want to focus on the underlying principles of it and to have discussions. One of the things I'm trying to do is to give you the actual example of, hey, this happened, now let's discuss, not in the context of what happened, but just the underlying principles, just so we can get a background story to it. 
So the story, what happened? Ireland is a... It says it's a Christian nation. In truth, it's a Catholic atheist nation. So you have some of the older folks are more Catholic and the younger folks are more atheist. So there's a there's a very interesting breakdown in, in religion in this country. And a lot of the laws passed in this country were not based on... They were based on religion in some ways. So one of the laws Ireland has had, and it's had it for the longest time, was... If you're a Christian, you know what Good Friday is. It's the Friday before Easter Sunday um, and everything that entails. Well, over here, we celebrate it differently in that, you know, a good chunk of people are off work on Good Friday. But also, you're not allowed to buy alcohol on Good Friday for religious reasons, quote unquote. Well, this is up for discussion in the Dáil, in the Irish Parliament, two, three weeks ago, and then there was more discussions, and then basically the bill was put and voted on over the last 10 days. And long story short, the Irish government has said uh, publicans, pubs, and off-licenses can sell alcohol on a Friday, on Good Friday. And as you can imagine, the reactions are what you would expect from a country that is either heavily atheist and young, or older and Catholic. The young people and the atheists are like, absolutely, of course they should be able to sell. We can't have religious liberty, religious groups telling people what they can and can't do. And you have the older people going, we're a religious country and this is the last insult and Ireland's becoming a pagan nation and we can't accept this and this is not right and it's not fair and it was the last tradition we had in this country and of the Catholic traditions and, you know, it's been removed. It's, 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 it's a travesty. Where do you think I stand on this issue? When you believe in freedom... When you actually are consistent in your beliefs, you're going to find yourself siding with people who you have very little in common with in many aspects. You're also going to do things that are very unpopular. Naturally, if you understand, if you predicted where I stood on this issue being, I was for the publicans been allowed to sell alcohol, you'd be right. It's absolutely where I've stand, and I've said it for the longest time. I actually think in this country, I actually, I'm totally, one of, it's one of my issues that my mother goes crazy about. There's another law which I think is absolutely stupid. You can't buy alcohol before half ten on a, on a weekday. I think it's the most stupid law I've ever seen. And that's, actually I can think of about half a dozen other ones now. My brain just went into overdrive of stupider laws. But, you know, you get the point. Why do I believe it's stupid to have a law like that? Well, again, it starts, this will stem from what we've discussed over the last couple of weeks ago. I believe we're all created equal. I do not have a right to tell you how to run your business. I do not have a right to tell you when you can and cannot purchase alcohol. But also, I don't want to shove my beliefs down other people's throats. I was a Catholic when I grew up. And for a couple of years in my adult life, I was loosely a Catholic in that I went to Catholic church. I have nothing against Catholic people. We just see the world very different and have different beliefs to them. 
But I don't want to shove my beliefs down other people's throats. I don't think that's that's not called freedom. That's called tyranny. It can have you can have the best intentions in the world. The most honorable intentions in the world. But if you're compelling and forcing people and controlling people, in some way, shape, or form, you're some version of a tyrant. You're forcing your beliefs. You're coercing other people to act the way you think everyone should act. I share this story, one, because I'm finding myself siding with the young people and atheists over my fellow Christians. Which is an unusual place, let me tell you, to be. And not a very popular one. Especially in my family. But what we have is because people would say to me in my family, this is the argument I get. Well, look, you know, if, 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 if we don't have these laws, and now that we don't have these laws, people are just going to use it as a four-day weekend to get absolutely astocious drunk. And, and we don't need more drunk people in this world. I think the way the world is going, we could all do with a bit more alcohol. And I used to, I'm saying that as a, in a sarcastic way, as someone who doesn't drink too much or drinks probably maybe once a year. Just because you can do something, personal responsibility has to kick in. Just because you can do something and because people like me who believe in freedom and are a purist on freedom, just because we argue for your right to do it does not necessarily mean you should do it to my friends who would listen to this and kind of go well I don't think you should open on a, on a good Friday it's a special day it's a sad day for the world because of what it signifies what it remembers it's a really you know emotional day if you really get into the day which it is it's one of the saddest days in the world I can think of you know remembering that day if you want pubs to close it's very simple. The power is in your hand. The power isn't in the pen of a of in Ira's case a Taoiseach. The power isn't in the pen of those who write the bills in, in the parliament. The power is in your hands. Because here's the thing. If enough people don't buy alcohol on Good Friday because they want to observe the whole day and think it deserves a day without alcohol, pubs won't open. If pubs don't open, you win. You got your way. You just didn't coerce other people to follow your way. Sometimes freedom really sucks. We have to be the people who, regardless of what side we are on, if we want to be truly those of principles and beliefs, even if it makes us side and agree with people who we have nothing very much in common with, if it's freedom... That's what we need to do. That's the people I think we need to be. Because this story, I've watched the reactions and I kind of go, I just don't believe what I'm seeing. Because there is the other part, and I will be honest with you, and this is a part I know some of my friends have. I have it as well. I just don't express it in insults type of way. The people in this issue I'm siding with are the young atheist people who are like, we can't have religion control us. We can't have that. It's not right. I'm not religious. I'm not Catholic. How dare you shove your Catholic laws and your Catholic traditions down my throat? They get all outraged and they have fancy hashtags and they have placards and yeah, you can't tell us what to do. I fully realize that on another issue, on plenty of other issues, if you replace, we can't have your religion telling me what to do with government, they'd be all for it. 
Those people won't side at me when I'm like, you know what? You say you can't have Catholic religion and Catholic laws and Catholic traditions telling you what you can and can't do. I say the exact same thing. It's just I don't talk about Catholics. I talk about government. Then all of a sudden they're like, what? 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 What are you, an anarchist? What what are you, for the rich? What are you, a millionaire and a billionaire? What do you mean you can't have government telling you what to do? We We just can't have religion telling us what to do. Government can we need government. Government tells us what to do. Government is good. Religion, bad. I get that. I get that frustration. I really do. Look, I'm, there's no one more unhappy about me having to side with the young atheists. There really isn't. But the thing is, what's the most important? Is the most important thing winning or forcing your beliefs on someone else? Or is it doing the right thing? Building bridges. I don't know. I don't expect to, you know, when I'm siding with the young 80s, and I'm not very vocal about it over here because over here just doesn't appreciate, doesn't understand my worldview, and I have much more important things to be doing in with great respect. I focus in on America, as you know. But I know... If we can build bridges and start opening communications, maybe someday we have some inroads. I don't know what the other option is. Look, am I fooling myself thinking that a socialist is going to see the world my way and that, no, I don't ever think it will happen. But you have to maximize your chances. If I'm hateful, if I'm insulting, if I'm demeaning, what are the chances they ever will join in me? They have a stereotype of what we're like. If you believe in freedom or you have a certain ideology, there is a character of you out there in line. Think of what you are and what you represent. And think of the character that you're painted as. Do you share anything in common with that person? The character I'm painted as, I'm for the rich. No, for everyone. I'm hateful. I'm bigoted, I'm sexist, I'm racist, I'm xenophobic. You're probably a lot of those, if not all of those as well, what your character is like. Now if we start being hateful and demeaning and insulting online, the person who thinks we're like that is going to meet us or see us the way we interact with others and go, that, that, that character is absolutely true, I've seen the stuff that person has said. They, that character is absolutely right. They are hateful. They are racist. They are sexist. It becomes easy. But if we're not, if we're nice, even if we're slapped in the face 10,000 times, which we have been done, and I know many of you have been done, you've been slapped, kicked, beaten, battered, punched, spit on, sometimes in real life, but metaphorically. I share your frustrations. There, I want to scream most of the time myself. I really do. I don't watch the mainstream media, but if I watch it even for five minutes, my head wants to explode. I, sh- I shout at the telly, kind of go, how can you not see the double standards? But what I try and do is try and prove their caricatures wrong. I try and be consistent, even though everyone else in many parts in the media are not consistent. 
Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I will always lose. But I know one thing. If we go to the meaning route, if we go to the insulting route, we will never win. Because I've yet to meet the person on any side of the aisle, regardless of what they shoot they were discussing, who went, hey, you know what? I, I had this really interesting experience today. Oh, what was that? What happened? Uh, I was talking to this person online and, and they insulted me. They demeaned me. They demeaned my character. They told me I was no good. But they explained free market economics and all of a sudden I totally believe in free markets. I've never had that conversation. I've never had that, that you know, I, I've just found, I've seen the light of freedom or I've seen the light of, of ideology and I got it told to me by, by being insulted, by demeaned, by feeling like a piece of crap. I've never heard that happen. I've never heard that story on any side, by the way. I've never heard the story of, you know what, I, I had this great awakening. I'm actually a socialist. Why? What happened to you? Well, I got into a Hillary, got talking to a Hillary Clinton supporter, and they called me a racist, sexist, xenophobic, um, bigoted, hateful, white privileged, um, gay hating, uh, gender uh, hating, uh, gender ignorant, uh, white privileged, rich billionaire defender. I'm trying to use all the characters that we are we're described as. There's so many, isn't there? But I've never had someone say oh, I became a socialist because they told me called me all these names. It doesn't work. There's a biological reason for that, which we may discuss another day, but it doesn't work. And it won't ever work. How we change is by having conversations. By actually ignoring the labels, ignoring all the divisiveness, and actually let's talk principles. Because if we talk principles, we actually have a chance. We actually all win when we talk principles. Because here's the thing. If you believe in freedom, principles are always on your side. Because you're going to be consistent. If you're a socialist, or you believe in man's law, you won't be. It's easy to point out, well, but what about this issue? But, but what about that? You say this here, but what about here? Let me give you a prime example. I know people don't like this. I'm pro-choice. I think you're allowed to abort your baby. Okay. Why aren't you pro-choice in any other issue in the world? Well, government has to tell you how much you can earn. Government has to tell you how to live. Government has to control you. Government has to tell you how much taxes you have to pay. Government has to tell you, has to tell you, has to tell you. But on one issue, you're pro-choice. How is that possible? Why is it that one issue? It can go on and on and on. We must be the people who are not only loving and, and, and kind and proving every day that the character that they paint of us is not right, not true, not accurate. It's the opposite. This is the choice we have. Which path do you choose to follow? I hope today's show has given you plenty to think about. Until next week at Saturday noon Eastern. Don't forget this show goes live Saturday noon Eastern on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Also, the short clips are released every Monday and Tuesday, where you can just take a short clip, each segment of the show, and listen to it at your own time rather than the full show. Please share them with your family and your friends. I thank you for your support. Until next week, we finish up by saluting your firefighters, your emergency personnel, your police, and your vets. The men and women, regardless of their politics, regardless of their age, regardless of their sexuality, regardless of their race, who risk it all 24-7 so we can live and have a brighter tomorrow. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever, ever forget. Ever, ever, ever forget this. America is great because Americans are good. 
Until next week at 12 noon Eastern on Saturday, have a beautiful and superb week. God bless. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. 